Hi, this is Michael Soto. And I'm Sam Garman. You're listening to Transform. The podcast where we explore stories and experiences of folks who are transgender. Beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my answer. Your questions ignore me. Let me tell you a story. For this week's episode, we are going to do our once a season Ask the Trans Guys episode. So a couple of you were so fantastic to send in questions and uh, things that you would like us to dig into. And so we're going to get into that today. Uh, We have four questions that we're going to dig into. We thought they were really great questions. So we're super jazzed for those of you who shared those questions with us. Yep. All right. So let's do this, Sam. Question number one. Do you think that you will ever get to the point of feeling so much shot fatigue that you won't feel like it is worth the trouble in quotes anymore and you'll stop taking tea? Uh, yeah, well, that's a, that's a question I think you and I have both heard. Yes. A lot, actually. A whole lot. Yeah. I I haven't heard it very often, um, Mm -hmm. but I have heard it asked a couple of times. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm really clear that the path to the life that feels most authentic and best Mm -hmm. for me is through testosterone therapy. Yeah. So that. That's, this is one of those like ends justify the means thing. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I don't have really bad experiences with taking shots. Mm-hmm. Um, with There's a new formulation of testosterone that has caused a little bit more pain than I've experienced in the past, mm-hmm. um, which is not awesome. But I still don't, it's not bad enough that I would, that I would say no because of the pain. Right. And I can't imagine being at a point where I'm just like, well, this is just not worth the effort. Like it's 10 minute, not even 10 minutes yeah. process once a week. It it just feels, it feels really important to me. So it's not something that for me, I would necessarily think that that was in the, impossible in the future. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a question that I've been asked a lot and it, yeah, for me, it's just like, it feels it's it's a medically necessary thing, right? And so, like, for me, it doesn't feel optional. So um, just like if I had diabetes and had to give myself insulin shots, like, yeah. I wouldn't consider stopping doing that if I my body required it, right? And so uh, for me, testosterone shots feel the exact same way. Like, it's just a part of my normal life routine at this point. And yeah. uh, on November 1st of this year, that was the official 20th year anniversary, Dad. So... 20 years <laughs> just saying um <laughs> so, now, <laughs> so i've been taking testosterone shots for a really long time um and sometimes i'm not great at scheduling them and i miss them and i'm a week later you know a couple of days later something that happens frequently because that's part of life um but it's still super important to me and i wouldn't it's not something that i would ever like that even now, 20 years later, I would consider stopping in my life as a process. That's a part of my life. And, 
um, or something that I would ever consider giving up my prescription and ability to have that shot every week. Like that just doesn't, I don't know. I can't wrap my brain around that. And I just, it's a medically necessary thing. Yeah. You know, like I take yeah. thyroid medication every day. So I take my shot once a week. That's yeah. part of my yeah. life. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I have to put it into my Google calendar so yeah, that it's smart. Cause if it doesn't exist on my calendar, it doesn't exist in the whole world. Yeah. And I'll just like get going about, you know, uh-huh. my process or whatever. And I would forget if I didn't have it in my calendar. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I'd wait until I was like, gosh, why am I so tired? Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. I haven't taken my testosterone. Shot. So it does. There are some side effects. If you stop, that wouldn't be great. Uh, awesome. And there are also some things that are not reversible uh-huh. when you start taking testosterone and folks can dig into that research on their own. That's, uh-huh. we're not going to dig into all that with the transition stuff, but I do think there are a couple things we should mention. Um, we have, I think we both have some friends that have experienced really severe pain right. with taking shots or having real, like a, a really big bruise when taking them mm-hmm. or some sort of a lump mm-hmm. or those kind of things. Um, and if that kind of thing is happening or if you're having like an adverse reaction, like, like I said, there's a new formulation that a pharmacy is, mm-hmm. a pharmacy here in Phoenix is using that a lot of trans guys go to. Mm-hmm. They've noticed that there's an allergic reaction at the site mm-hmm some of those things might be something like go talk to your medical provider, yeah. have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, there are also other ways to take testosterone yes. that are valid ways to take testosterone. They, there's a gel that works. Mm-hmm. Um, you could potentially switch your shot site. So yeah. if someone out there is having like, I feel so fatigued by taking shots because they're so painful or because I'm having such adverse reactions yeah. or because I'm super freaked out by needles yeah. and like, I can't even be in the same room with myself while I'm taking my shot. Like those kind of things, yeah. you know, that it, then maybe there's some other options that you could pursue with your medical doctor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to, um, that when I first started testosterone, uh, I was terrified of needles a, and like, like would pass out at, like the site, like it was very afraid of needles. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I had to have someone else give me my shot and it was very traumatic. Um, and then I was like, I can't afford that because that's very expensive when a medical professional gives you a shot. And I didn't have anyone in my life that would do that for me. Um, and so I tried the gel and I was like, Oh, none of this is working. And so my, everything was real messed up with my hormones for a while there because I was not able to find something that would work. And I was also taking black market hormones, so oh, yeah. that was a bad life yeah, choice that's in a general. Bad life choice. And I didn't have a medical professional to consult with who then had lots of options for me, you know, to be able to like try different things and work with them. So, um, you know, essentially what I ended up doing was sort of like um, a kind of therapy, I guess, around my needles, my needle fear, right? Like, and that creating a routine and like working through that fear in my own time. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was worth it for me in that I wanted to have that sense of self-sufficiency of like, Oh wait, I can provide this for myself, you know? And like, I was able to work through it. Thankfully, I know not everybody can, but again, having options and like seeking out help, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being like, okay, how can, if this is important to, to you, finding the people who can help you access that in the way that works for your life, I think is really critical, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. whatever that looks like, go for it and feel like you um, deserve that respect and autonomy, right. To figure out what works for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, you know, there are a lot of trans folks who are 
underemployed and Mm -hmm. living way below the poverty line and really struggling financially and struggling with access to medical health Mm -hmm. and access to even somebody who could prescribe them something. And so for those folks, like I recognize that, you know, for me, I would, I would really struggle without the ability to access a doctor who would take my call and adjust my dose when that was necessary and a pharmacy where I get treated with respect and dignity when I go there and fill my prescription. So we, I think we need to acknowledge that there are some folks out there for whom that is not the situation. Um, And that is one reason that I think you and I both Mm -hmm. really care about healthcare access for all people. Like that is a part of recognizing that our community is impacted by this is a part of the way that we are activists around politics even yeah because this we know that this is one of those ways that 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 really is has an impact yeah absolutely and whether it's poverty or untreated medical you know conditions those things can affect your access to your ability to transition in whatever way you feel most whole and authentic and so uh, having the ability to have doctors and to have access to medicine in the medical yep. field um, is uh, just, I mean, human right doesn't even feel strong enough to me, you know, yeah. like it's just, yeah. it's so critical. I I have a hard time understanding our society when we debate the merits of everyone having access to competent healthcare. Yeah. So. All right. Question number two. My friend came out to me as trans and I don't think I responded right. I was caught off guard and didn't know what to say. How should I have responded? What do you wish people would have said to you? Uh, Good one. I think that everyone has experienced this where some someone says something in their life Mm -hmm. and it catches you off guard and you don't react in the way that you want to or the way that feels that the way that would feel best. And so then you lay awake in bed every night, revisiting it and beating yourself up. Um, and that actually doesn't, that doesn't help. Right. So don't beat yourself up. Yeah. It doesn't can't use not a time machine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we have all had that experience where we've said something and then we look back and it's like, well, I'm going to revisit this on the reel of things that I did that were dumb. Yeah. Literally forever. Yeah. Um, so is, you know, it's easy to say this, but, don't beat yourself up because there actually is a way that you can revisit that and say, Hey, when you came out to me, I was caught off guard and I don't, I didn't re- I didn't react the way I wanted to. Yeah. What I wanted to say was this. Uh-huh. Um, and there is a way to revisit that. There is. And I think, you know, there's a way to, to use that opportunity to revisit this, to build a more authentic and trusting relationship and a deeper relationship, right. By being able to say, I've made a mistake, you know, mm-hmm. and I recognize that. And I, to what extent is possible, I want to now offer a redo and, you know, say, Hey, actually, I just really love you. And I'm excited mm-hmm. that you're in my life and I'm happy to walk this journey with you. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you know, that you can, that you want to offer to them, um, do it, you know, like that's going to be, I've, I've always felt very like seen when people have done that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of them just holding on to guilt and feeling bad or distancing themselves from our relationship, like it means a lot to me, you know, when someone can say that wasn't what I wanted to actually say, 
here is what I wanted to say. Yeah. And now let's move forward. And I also really appreciate when people give me that opportunity, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I say stupid shit all the time. So it's, yeah. it's nice when people allow me to, you know, be like, can we redo that just for a second? <laughs> can we rewind? <laughs> that wasn't it. That wasn't quite there. <laughs> let's try again. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's just a very human thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are some things that I think you and I have discussed in the past that would be like a, if if you were going to respond to a trans person, there's like a bingo of things that we have all had said to us that's like, mm-hmm. oh, that was the wrong one. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. not it. Mm-hmm. Um, Painful. Don't and, do that. And for all the trans folks listening, you are all going to recognize these because we've all heard these. Um, the I think the one that's like the top, mm. the top best intentioned worst impact mm-hmm. like if you were gonna if you're gonna go old school dave letterman <laughs> top 10 this would be a number one yeah. is oh you will always be birth name to me yes undoubtedly <laughs> the worst yeah i know i know what you are trying to say yeah the way you said it though <laughs> what you're mm. trying to say is I will always love you. Yes. My affection for you remains unchanged. Exactly. I, uh, my commitment to you is as it has ever been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but what you're not, what, when you say that, what you don't do is acknowledge that there has been a tremendous amount of growth in me yes. that's brought me to a place where I'm saying to you, Hey, this, this isn't right and hasn't felt right. Um, and so when you're like, oh, you'll always be this person, it, it like pins me in time and doesn't let me explore what's new about me Yeah, or share with you what's new about me. Like here are the things I'm discovering about myself that I didn't know Yeah, that come with this. And I want to bring you into them. Yeah. Yeah. It, for me, like, it's so funny. Like it, um, I feel like I had similar resistance and feelings around, that phrase of you'll always be birth name to me to um, like uh, elders in my family saying, well, you'll always be a little kid or you'll always be my child or something to mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, but I'm not like I am now a grown up. Like, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying again, that you love me and my place in your universe is secure. You know, I get that. But like, you won't always be that one monolithic stationary thing to me. And so why would I want to be that to you? Like, yeah, I actually want to be able to be like a dynamic person that changes and grows over the course of my lifetime. And I want you to be that in my life too. Like, you know, like I'm not gonna, I don't need you to be the same thing to me at any point in time. Right. Like that's so contextual that it feels important to honor both my growth and someone else's growth and their life. Right. To, to, I don't know, just to, yeah. Maybe just say, I love and care about you. <laughs> and like, that would work. Happy that we're in this together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think like one of the, I, a way that it would have felt like, oh my gosh, I really am seen for mm-hmm. all the work that it took for me to get here to say these words out loud to you yeah. is to say like, I really love you and I am excited to get to know you mm-hmm. in this new way that you're learning to know yourself. Yeah. Because that actually feels like, okay, there's space here to have a conversation that I've been afraid to have forever. Yes. Because I've been feeling these things. I've been thinking these things. But if someone were to acknowledge, like, 
I want to get to know you for the you that you're becoming, yes. the, the you that you now recognize in yourself, yeah. that actually feels like, wow, that's really powerful. Or I'm really committed to walking this journey with you and yeah. learning right alongside you. Yeah. And I think like, it, it's funny, I, I've talked about my best friend and I, and um, in the beginning, it was sort of a, you'll, you know, always be, you know, the same person to me sort of a thing, you know, but became throughout our conversation throughout the years, uh, I am really excited to get to know actually who you are and who you want to be in your life mm -hmm. and to be along on this journey, you know, yeah. and to like get to share in your discoveries as a person. Uh, and the, it's been true for both of us, right? Like that's kind of what a relationship is. You get to, you know, yeah. you get yeah. to discover things with the people in your life and get to learn new things about them. And that's kind of the whole point of all of it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think probably the second, I don't know. This is tough. The, the, you're so brave one. <laughs> that one, like, I mean, it's so well-intentioned. It's very sweet. And I know that, you know, for lots of cisgender folks transitioning, um, in terms of someone's gender is like a mind blowing thing. You yeah. Know? And like, a Whoa. Um, but it just, I don't know. It's, it's not about that. It's yeah. not about being brave or not like yeah. that, you know, they're like we've said, they're also, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. like we've said, there are lots of, um, different ways to be trans and yeah. there's no right way that is the brave way or the not brave way. And I don't know that one always, I totally get that it's coming from a place of yeah. both love and astonishment, you know, and kind of probably fear, I think, you know, like I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, whoa, that feels so out of my comfort zone Yeah, that the only thing that I can say is, whoa, that's really a brave, scary thing. Yeah. 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 And I think that what that, that comes from a place of thinking about, um, what would it take for me to say that I was the mm. other gender? Yeah. And the reality is that like, that's not what I'm saying. Nope. What I'm saying is you've misunderstood who I am all these years. And mm -hmm. I, maybe I've misunderstood it too. Um, but now and, I understand it. And that there, it does take a tremendous amount of courage to come out. Yeah. There's no question. And bravery isn't not actually what it is. It's honesty. Mm -hmm. So I think what you mean is, that is some really radical honesty. Yeah. And thank you for sharing with me. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and thank you for trusting me to mm -hmm. like be a good person in your life to hear this and receive this and be safe for you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Uh, I really always have hated congratulations. Mm. I don't know what you're congratulating me for. Yeah. Um, but that is, so here's the deal. And I think it's really important to say this. We're not mocking people for saying these things. No, these are the things all. that we've heard over and over again, because no one has any idea what to, what say. to say when someone who's trans comes out, because yeah. it's never been a part of our public lexicon. Yeah. It's not something that, you know, we know what to say when someone tells you they're having a baby, mm -hmm. like there's a card for that. <laughs> there's there's um, a, a entrepreneurial whole... idea. Number 3056 <laughs> for Sam and I, Hard line. <laughs> <laughs> We're on that. <laughs> but just like there's no there there's no idea in the so it's like if I told you if I told you that I was pregnant, you would say congratulations. Right. So it's like 
I'm a boy, and you're like, congratulations. <laughs> it's, it, it, so it's kind of like, I don't know what to say here. I think this is good. This it, seems good. Yeah, you're you're good. good. I'm good. good. We're good. We're good. good. Happy. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> um, and, yet it, and yet it's not quite the right tone. Yeah. I mean, it. I want people to be happy. Yeah. Um, but also congratulations feels weird. Yeah. It feels like it feels weird. Um, also, if you're going to say congratulations, I maybe there should also be a registry and yeah. some sort of gift basket. Gift, I think, yes. And so that if that's something we can bring into mm-hmm. like the national, mm-hmm. the way of being around transness, that mm-hmm. could be fine. That could be. Um, and then congratulations is fine. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like, I think there's a way to involve the celebration, you know, and like do a big party or, you yeah. know, like do a fun outing for your friend, you know, that's like, you know, something that they've always wanted to do that felt like in a gendered way, not accessible or, you know, yeah. I mean? whatever yeah. those things are like lots of room to celebrate people for being who they are, um, which definitely do that. And, yeah. you know, buy gifts for your trans friends. That's always a good idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but also, yeah, it's a little, it feels more like what you were saying. Like, I have no idea what to say right now, but I think we're both fine. And so I'm just going to say this. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I think that there's, there's almost never a bad time mm. for, thank you so much for sharing that yeah. with me. That's like, thank you for real. trusting me enough to tell me that. Yes. Both wonderful options. Very sincere, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then you could follow up with, so to clarify, you want me to use what pronouns yes. going forward? Right. And what name? You know, yeah. Do you do you have things other have you made other decisions um that you're willing to share with me at this point that will help me be a better friend or whatever our relationship is to you? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for telling me. Mm-hmm. Um as you decide things, please let me know right away so that I can change how I talk about you and to you. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're in a, if you're in a relationship that has this level of intimacy, like yeah. I really love you and I'm committed to you and our friendship or yeah. our partnership or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I think it, 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 there's never like a bad time for, thank you for telling me, yeah. I really love you. Yeah. Let me know how I can support you. Like that's a, that's a really solid threesome of responses yes. that, that you can really use for almost anything. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's genuine, it's like, okay, that, that landed. And then, yeah. and then it's clear that you're open to another conversation. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, some of that obviously needs to be a little bit tempered based on like if, I, when I had to come out at work, if someone was like, I really love you and I'm committed to you, I'd be like, you're really weird and mm-hmm. I need to talk to HR. I feel really um, comfortable, <laughs> feel comfortable mm-hmm. with what's happening here. But, <laughs> but like, you know, thank you for telling me that I'll support you in whatever way that I can. Yeah. Please let me know what name and pronouns would be best for you. Totally um, appropriate. Yep. Yep. And, you know, now I'll see you at, at the next urinal. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> et cetera. Et cetera. Yes. <laughs> I like it. That feels like sound advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So question number three, Sam, what resources do you have for raising children to be aware of trans people or trans issues? Yeah. Solid question. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is from a friend of mine who has a three-year-old, um, and they had a conversation about genitalia, mm-hmm. um, and she's a medical professional, so it's obviously <laughs> correct 
uh, verbiage for genitalia. But then, uh, then the discussion turned to Winnie the Pooh oh. and how they had male pronouns, but nobody had an obvious penis. Which, it. fair point. Fair question, kid. Um, fair also, question. why is Winnie the Pooh not wearing pants? It's a know. it's a deeper question we could get into, but yeah. this is not that podcast. Okay, that's um, our next podcast. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that'll be our spinoff. <laughs> Why is Winnie the Pooh not wearing pants? Uh-huh. It's sort yeah. of a think piece long form. <laughs> um, <laughs> Watch out for that. <laughs> so I think the first thing is you're really you know she talked about um, <clears throat> you know genitalia is just one way that we can tell yeah. about gender but there are also there are other things as well and i think that's the correct starting point yeah is introducing the idea that all women are not one thing and all men are not one thing yes i think the more we hold those ideas loosely for kids mm-hmm. the less they get ingrained in something that then needs to be untaught yes um and i think we've we've talked about this before is we were both raised in very strict mm-hmm boys are this and girls are that and boys do this and girls do that. And this Mm -hmm. is how boys behave. And this is how girls behave. And because it was so split, there's a lot of unlearning that had to happen between that. And a lot of fear and anxiety that was created when I think for both you and I, that we didn't fit into the things that girls were and supposed to do and be right. Yeah. Um, And so the, and those are, I mean, those, they're just ideas that people have about what girls and boys and men and women do. It's there's always many, many girls, boys, men and women that challenge those norms, even within a religion or a community of any kind. Right. And so I I agree with you that like the more that you can say, there are lots of ways to do gender Mm -hmm. and you get to choose the ways that feel good for you kids, (laughs) you know, and that doesn't mean you are less of a boy or a girl if that's who you want to be. Um, and it doesn't determine your behavior, you know, in any one moment doesn't determine or your affinity for clothing or whatever doesn't determine whether you are a boy or a girl. That's up to you. You know, yeah. like you get to make those choices. Yeah. yeah. And I think also the the presentation of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community yeah. as people who exist in the world uh-huh. is a really solid starting place. Yes. So just having that conversation yeah. that people, ex- that those people exist mm-hmm. um, really changes the game because then it's like just a part of the many, many ways that people exist. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that, that's really simple with kids mm-hmm. is to have a variety of children's books. Mm-hmm. So ones that I would recommend that are in our library um, is Stella has two daddies. Mm-hmm. Um, Mama, mommy, and me. Oh, cute. Uh, introducing Teddy, which is about a teddy bear who is trans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the teddy bear says, "You've been calling me this, but actually I'm this, and I no I'd like way. to wear a bow now." <clears throat> Adorable. Which is very cute. I am Jazz yeah. that Jazz Jennings wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, the boy with the bindi, which is about mm-hmm. an East in- East Indian boy who loves his mom's bindi and so he wants to wear one too so it's a little bit of a gender like gender it's not gender bending but Mm -hmm. it's not fulfilling gender expectations um marlon bundo Mm -hmm. is one that my boys really love um it's the one that john stewart wrote nope not john stewart john oliver Oliver. that one um the other john (laughs) funny john yeah the other funny john so many of them um (laughs) But those are all books that are that just normalize mm-hmm. that 
gay and trans people exist in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start to do that, it sort of takes some of the heat out of the conversation. Yeah. The other thing is you can really, um, you can really normalize things by actually naming it well. Mm-hmm. So um, a couple of days ago, my three-year-old asked if he could have a baby mm-hmm. um, and his mom said, well, you can't have a baby from your body because you don't have a uterus. Yeah. Um, you could have a baby by adoption or by, you know, maybe someone that you, if you were dating someone with a uterus, then maybe they could have a baby. Um, and so the conversation was not about boys can't have babies. The conversation was about, it takes a uterus to have a baby. And now obviously that's, there's a, there's some other elements involved in having a baby. So like (laughs) all of you very smart science people don't come back at me and be like, you have to have ovaries too. Listen, I know how it works. Um, (laughs) But like for three year old version, yeah. um, the idea that you know that this is the this is the part it takes to have a baby, right. not not that you have to be a girl person. Yeah, not that uh, having a baby is a part of solely a part of being one gender. Right? Yes, that it's uh, that there are other there's you know different factors that could impact people of different genders. Right? Yeah, that that's accessible yeah. um, and normalizing that. I mean, I think like. I think our society, I think even I would have less sort of like, uh, sort of like weird feelings about like, like I, I struggle with like, uh, sort of my own fertility choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, I don't know if I could, I really want kids. I don't think I could handle having kids that way. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of that though is about, it's not about, having kids it's about not wanting my body to do something that i was taught that only girls and women do yeah right yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I do. yeah. there's there's no way to get out of what is yeah in our culture so it's right. really hard to know what any of us would feel yeah had our not had our culture not been so deeply informed but like had we not been so deeply informed by our culture around exactly. that exactly um and so i think in in raising kids that I mean, the bottom line is they ask questions all the time that no one is ever prepared to answer. <laughs> and all of the parents that you've ever met, good or bad, are just freaking winging it. Just like winging. we're all, that's the parent secret. No one's allowed to tell you they're going to kick me out of the club now. Okay. We're just all winging it. We're like, yeah. is this the right way to answer this question? I don't know. And then you go read a blog and you're like, well, that wasn't it. I guess I <laughs> hope I do better with the next one. <laughs> that's why all us first kids are totally screwed up. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> there might need to be, there may exist or needs to exist a blog that's solely dedicated to like the wrong thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Not really useful, but very funny. Oh, I'm certain it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that I mean I the I think the bottom line on this question is um, raising kids as though trans and queer people and gay people and lesbians exist in the world. Yeah, is a fantastic starting point. Yeah, um, because that raises the idea that. Girls don't have to be any one thing, and mm-hmm. boys don't have to be any one thing, mm-hmm. and no one set of parts identifies anyone as anything, yeah. and we just can't assume yeah. about what's happening in people's pants or whether or not they're wearing pants, yeah. um, although children should wear pants after a certain age. That's, I think that's the answer to that. I don't know that we, uh, I don't know that we got all the way there, but hopefully that's at least a little bit helpful. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. I mean, it's, it's a beginning, right? And it's, there's no... 
I don't think anyone has definitive answers on this yet, in part because there haven't been a lot of children raised in a society where um, children aren't aren't taught that there are only one way to boy, girl, or yeah. exist, right? Yeah. And so um, I think some of this is like we're going to learn from children as they grow up. Like, did that work for you? <laughs> like, did that make life easier? Because I can't, I can't, like you said, we can't undo the way we were raised. So yeah. I have no idea to how to, I can't imagine my life without having been taught those things and the sort of trauma and, you know, things that challenges that that caused in my own life. Yeah. Um, so I think all of our hope is that raising children in a way that's more open, more honest about the variety of human life um, and experience will be positive for them. Yeah. And we also have a, a standard in our house where we, mm-hmm one of the boys talks about or mentions someone's body. Our sort of standard family line Mm -hmm. is everybody has a body Mm -hmm. and everybody's body is different Mm -hmm. and every different body is good. Love it. Um, That's good. And we generally talk about like, you don't talk about other people's bodies in any way. Like we don't say unkind things about other people's bodies, but if you can start with the idea that like everybody's body is different and everybody's body is good. um, Hopefully that, Hopefully that cuts down on all variety of things, like not just transphobia, but also fat phobia and racism yeah. and, you know, some all of those <laughs> some colorism and sort of all that other kind of stuff, yeah. disability awareness. So, I mean, that's kind of the, yeah. that, that has been a helpful conversation for the boys. We just sort of bake that in love anytime it. we're talking about bodies. I love it. That's fantastic. Wonderful advice, Sam. Um, okay. So question number four, question number four. Okay. How is dysphoria different than just how average people hate their bodies? Yes. Um, I think it is a part of our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and having been socialized female, I can definitely say it's a part of female culture, um, that folks are just kind of supposed to hate their bodies. Right. Um, you know, their new year's resolutions in the gym are all about, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, not thin enough, not light enough, not tall enough, not short enough, not, mm-hmm. you know, smooth enough skin, not, you know, whatever those things are. Okay. Um, so I think, I do think that everybody experiences some sort of, yeah. um, body dislike type yeah, stuff uh, in some way or another. Yeah. Um, and I do think that, I think we can agree that dysphoria is really different from that. Yes. Very, very different. Um, Uh, For me, dysphoria was a complete inability to connect with my body, Mm -hmm. um, which is different than disliking my body. Like, I couldn't even connect with it enough to like or dislike it, right? It was just something that felt completely alien. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't don't know any better way to describe that. Like, it just didn't, it felt like it wasn't mine. Yeah. Yeah. I think the limits of our language are that Mm -hmm. impact this. Um, And part of the problem that, I had growing, growing up, going through original puberty, the bonus of being trans is you get to have two. Um, and doesn't everyone love a second puberty? I mean, who wouldn't? Gosh, it's just so super great. Mm -hmm. Um, that was sarcasm. Uh, just, (laughs) just in case (laughs) hashtag sarcasm. Um, so the first puberty I went through, Mm -hmm. I was having conversations with people and we were all saying the same thing. 
Um, but I realized in later life that we were saying the same thing, but it didn't mean the same thing. Right. That makes sense. Like, so when we, when everybody got their period in middle school, mm-hmm. <laughs> content warning, we're talking about periods and yeah. menstruation. Yeah. Um, but like when everyone was talking about that, yeah. we were all saying, this is awful and I hate it. Yeah. But it meant different things. It meant different things. What yeah. I felt was like, my body is betraying me. It yes. should not do this. This isn't right. Yeah. I want to kill myself. Yeah. Like literally, that was my, uh-huh. this is, this is so fundamentally not right for what is happening to me. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm so focused on my body and I, and this body is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, that I cannot like focus on anything other than that. Yeah. And everyone else was like, this is deeply inconvenient. I'm in a lot of pain. Right. I hate, you know, menstrual products, etc. Sure. And so we were saying the same thing, but our experience was fundamentally different. And when yeah. I talk to women now about what I felt then, they were like, oh no, that wasn't it. Yeah. That that's not what we meant. And right. I was like, I know now it's not what you meant. But, but it's, it's what, what I, I meant. meant yeah. But we were saying the same thing. Yes. Um and so when I think when trans people say things like, this body isn't working for me mm-hmm. or I don't feel right in my body mm-hmm. or I hate my body or these parts don't match for me. Yeah. Other people are hearing them in the same way that they might say them. And the, yeah. the limits of our language are such that they don't mean the same thing. They don't at all. And they like, it's so interesting. I mean, thinking back of like getting ready to go through puberty the first time. Um, I remember this moment where I was at my aunt's house. My mom was there. My grandma was there. Several of my aunts were there and they were all in the kitchen as they usually were like sitting around the dining room table talking. And I had gone in to say something and they were talking about like when they were teenage girls and they were reminiscing and someone very well intentionally, right. In a well intentioned way said, Oh, we're so excited for you to become a woman and all these horrible phrases that like inspired like a kind of like icy terror. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know any other way to describe it. Like I felt like I needed to like run and rip off my skin at the same time. Yeah. Like, I was so terrified and they were just laughed it off as like, Oh, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll, it's going to be great. Someday you're going to grow up and be a mom and a woman and all these things. And I was like, I can't tell you how much I cannot allow that to happen because that is not my life. Like it was yeah. so, but I didn't, there isn't really language to encapsulate like that rush of terror and complete like isolation and fear and just like being like, that is so unacceptable. I don't even know how to communicate this to you. And you're laughing off this massive panic that I'm suddenly in yeah. as being like normal teenage behavior. I'm just like, no, you don't understand. Like, I will do anything for that to not happen. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's never going to happen in my life. And I'm saying that in a way that is absolutely real at 11 and you don't understand the extent to which I am committed to that never happening. Yeah. Um, which, you know, how could they, they didn't have any reference yeah. for trans people, yeah. you know, like my parents both as adults have been like, we are real sorry. We had no idea. Um, if we could do a do over, we would real do, really do this different but we didn't know yeah. like I get it. But also that was like a lot of trauma and a lot of pain, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, and I, I remember, you know, I, I transitioned much later than you did. I was yeah. like full grown adult. Yeah. So the, my memory of transitioning is 
really still pretty fresh in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I remember there would be days, you know, after I, after my social transition, but before I was, before my medical transition yeah. had really taken hold. So I was very much in that like in between phase. Yeah. Like we weren't even into the like awkward teenage years. It was just like this weird thing where, and it was so dysphoria inducing because yes. everyone was using for the most part using male pronouns, yeah. but I was constantly in fear of being misgendered. Yeah. And so I would on the, on the unique day when I would go through my day where most people called me or where most people or all people called me he, and I really felt like, okay, I am doing this. Like yeah. I am living my best life. I finally uh -huh. can see myself reflected yes. in the world like other people are saying my name and that is right yep. and i would like go to the bathroom and wash my hands and look up and it would be like getting hit by a two by four. Oh yeah because there was no change in my face or my body and yep. all of a sudden i went from i am 100 percent sam to like i am a total fraud uh -huh. this body is betraying me it was yeah it was awful. Oh, yeah. And it, this would, you know, of course, this would happen multiple times a day. Of course. And so it would be like, and it, it got to a point where it was really so terrible that, I mean, I was avoiding mirrors. I was not working out in certain mm -hmm. parts of the gym because there were so many mirrors. Also, fitness clubs, can we have less mirrors? Please. It's really terrible. Yeah. Um, not fun. So like, you know, trying to figure out how to how to navigate those spaces, yeah. it made it really awful. And so that's when I think of when I think of dysphoria yeah. is like you're living your life as though you are who you are and all of a sudden the mirror smacks you in the face. Oh, yeah. And that's the, for me, that's the, the experience I can most identify with dysphoria mm -hmm. is it's the fundamentally not right feeling. Yeah, I think, I mean, I wasn't able to afford top surgery for 11 years. So that's a lot of binding. Mm -hmm. And towards the end, like I remember like the last probably four years, every single day, like Oof. I wore, I wore a binder for as long as my body could physically tolerate. Yeah. And I would be in so much physical pain, but it was just as much mental pain to take the binder off mm -hmm. that it was, I was like, there's no good solution here. And I just like couldn't cope towards the end. I was like, I don't literally don't know how I'm going to live in this body much longer without accessing top surgery. Cause I can't handle this anymore. Like it feels, it's very painful to bind for that long. Yeah. It's excruciating. Very painful. Um, and also extremely excruciating and painful to have a body that in such a prominent and like very real way, just every time you, I don't know, not even just look in the mirror, but just are around your body and not binding, which yeah. you have to be in your body is just like these alarms of like wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, like this doesn't work. This is not right. This shouldn't be. And yeah. It's really, yeah. And a lot of times the like, the coming out mm -hmm. and relief from dysphoria are actually some sort of an inverse yeah. situation. So yeah. like you've been hiding who you are mm -hmm. and trying to be fine with everything for so long mm -hmm. that when you finally say the words, suddenly the dysphoria gets exponentially worse, not yeah. better. Yeah. So it's not like you come out as trans and you're like, okay, yeah. now like I'm, 
I'm heading mm-hmm. on the straight line. Yeah. You come out as trans and then it's like, oh, now I've said the words out loud and my body really, really doesn't match. Yeah. And then it's like you're trying to beat some clock in some ways. Exactly. This has been my experience. Again, not every trans person experiences the same thing, but right. Or in their own way, right? It, like it, maybe it's not top surgery for someone. Maybe it's like how hairy their arms are, or you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. I think there's something about our lives and our bodies that doesn't yeah. match size of hands and feet. Yeah. Um, you know, for trans women, I think there are a lot of things that, that because, for trans women, it is so much harder for mm-hmm. hormone therapy to mm-hmm. reverse some of those original puberty effects yeah. that makes it like even harder for their, I mean, I, I, I can only empathize with our trans sisters and yeah. some of the experiences they have with gender dysphoria because God, I, yeah. like I, I, I love them so much and I want yeah. so much for good things. And I also know that it must be so hard. Yeah. It, it is a much easier path, frankly, for trans men, like it with our hormone replacement therapy. So mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that I think, yeah, um, but I think all of us non-binary folks, I think experience gender dysphoria, yeah. you know, cause everyone wants you to go one way or the other, right? Like they want you right. to do something. And if you are if your best, most authentic version of yourself exists in between those two things where it's both and neither, yep. like how do you ever feel like yeah. you're fully nailing it? It's just, yeah. I mean, it, so dysphoria shows up in a different way for mm-hmm. all trans folks, but I really do think all trans folks experience it mm-hmm. on some level yeah. at some point. Yeah. In some way that, you know, relates to their gendered experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all our questions uh, for this second episode of Ask a Trans Guy. Indeed. We hope we've done them justice. Yep. Um, and we are, you know, if if there's a question that you would like us to cover um, or that you just, if there's a question you'd like to send us on email, we're happy to do that via email correspondence or have a phone call. Um, or uh, you can tweet us at... Um, we're, we're, we have a new Twitter account for the podcast. It's yes, at transformpod one yes um apparently the original transform pod was taken really? <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> listen you can only get the handle you can get that's and true. it's it's hard to and be on social media that's what's happening so there you go <laughs> <laughs> you should follow us on twitter if you have not already yes yes thanks for listening make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on a single new episode our music is by skylar kurgle check him out at skylarkurgle.com where you can see what he's up to and link to all his social media We want to hear from you. You can connect with us on transformpod.com or on Facebook at transformpod. We appreciate all your questions and feedback, so please email us at transformpod at gmail.com. We really encourage your thoughtful and positive feedback. If you disagree with us, that's fine, but we will not engage in any name-calling or dehumanizing talk, so please just don't do it. Thanks for going beyond the transition with us. Please tell me a story